0: Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Ship Talking. I'm Brandon, and as always, I am joined by my best friend, Robbie. Robbie, how are you? Hey, Brandon, I'm doing well. I'm uh, doing great, and how about yourself? I am doing good. It's December. Can you believe it or not? I feel like this year has had 27 months because of everything that's been going on, but we're finally at the final level of 2020. Will we make it?
1: I know. I, I keep thinking of that meme where, what is it? It's like 1159 and then it's like 2020 just never ends. So I'm wondering if
0: that's happening. Well, it 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 better end. But you know what? It's brought us together. It's brought about this podcast. So there are some some good things that have come out from. It, but I'm looking forward to 2021 being a bit different. Absolutely. How was your week? Yeah, good overall. Uh Lots of Star Trek stuff, not only working on pod stuff, but a lot of Star Trek online, a lot of Discovery, was watching the episodes of Voyager, watching episodes of DS9. So I've been filling the very chilly nights we've been having here in Dublin with uh, the warmth that Star Trek brings my soul.
1: Well, you're probably going to just be very jealous, but it's been actually pretty nice and warm down here in Southern California me um and uh this last week i spent a lot of time with our with sharky and it was kind of funny because i was thinking about what mike said last week about how funny people always wear yellow and i found this christmas tinsel that was yellow colored and i thought i'm gonna you know sharky's funny (laughs) so i actually dressed sharky up in this yellow golden tinsel and did a little photo shoot and i think we might have to get that uploaded for everybody to see and it turned out really wonderful and he uh he definitely was um The the jury is out on how much he liked it, but definitely it was a lot of fun.
0: Well, hashtag Sharky the Trekkie. we got to get him out uh, in some Star Trek attire. We're going to have to – well, you know what? I've got a few ideas of how we can uh, include some Star Trek elements into that photo shoot. So send it over. We'll get it out on our Twitter. Uh,
1: But, Yeah. On this week's episode, we're going to spend some time in the shipyards with the legendary Mark Rodemaker. He created the USS Aventine, which is a Vesta-class ship that was commanded by none other then Ezri dax in the star trek
0: destiny novel series you do love dax so that's going to be fun we're also going to be joined by special guest host james lee who is probably the biggest vesta fan on this planet him and i used to work on a trek podcast that i started 10 years ago and it's actually still going today under a new crew big shout out to the fine crew over at priority one our chat with the gents will be 14 minutes long, and we'll release the expanded chat that's around 50 minutes on our Patreon for exclusive listening by our amazing patrons who support us each month. And then after the chat
1: with our lovely gents, we'll report back on the training plans you've all shared for this week's All Hands
0: on Deck Drill and announce our special guest for the next episode. We've got a great show ahead of us, so helm, give me warp in the factor of five, six, seven, eight, and move us into this week's Community Q segment, Execute.
1: Uh, Brandon, we might need to work on your, uh, go to warp <laughs> command. <laughs> For this week's
0: community queue, we asked all of you to share what was your favorite part of the ship. This one was actually really great because we got so many unique answers. There were things that I forgot were parts of ships based on submissions that came in. That said, there was one that was most submitted, and it was the Nacelles.
1: You know what, Brandon? No shock and no surprise here. I think that the Nacelles are one of the most defining components of Star Trek spaceships. Now, we know that there is a lot of, in science fiction, there is many different types Mm -hmm. of starships, and they all have a different type of propulsion and a different way of maneuvering. And I do think that Star Trek has always done a great job of beautifully, artfully, and
0: technically
1: making the nacelles such a component of the character and the design of the ship. So I completely agree with the community on this.
0: Absolutely. I love an ample nacelle. (laughs) Uh, This also led into some of the other ones that were submitted most. One was the ship silhouette, right? Nacelles play a Mm -hmm. huge part in that. Also, uh, the saucer of a ship. Or, for instance, there were submissions for the Defiant, which said the nose of the Defiant. Mm -hmm. We also had the bar or 10 forward. I lumped those together. And the warp core
1: i think these are great and I, I love them and i definitely think of all these other suggestions i'd love to you know check out the bar i think a uh, <laughs> uh what was it in the quirks bar
0: there you want to was... go have a chat with gynon oh let's, for, let's sure, for sure for sure because you're not looking for neelix's cooking
1: no no but i think that you know just the fact that what star trek always has done right is it's so relatable even though it's 400 years thousand years in yep. the future at the end of the day they they work they relax and go into the bar. I, I, I agree with him on that.
0: I do want to call out one submission that was unique, and it was the decon chamber from Enterprise. So the NX-01, they had decontamination chambers. But this listener said it was the sexy room.
1: You know, I think we know where this person's mind was going, that it's a room where you have to strip down into your underwear to be decontaminated and then have to rub that. What was that? Do you remember what it was? It had to rub on each know, other? I don't know, but
0: I actually do not remember what it actually was but i'm afraid that if we go too much further into this we're gonna have to put another explicit warning just like we did with last week's show so we might have to just leave it there
1: well i definitely could see there being a little connection between the bar and the sexy room so i'm thinking you're right brandon (laughs) let's go ahead and uh walk away slowly from this topic yes for next week's community queue we want to know what your favorite ship sound is For example, maybe it's the calming hum of the warp core or even the swoosh of the ship going to warp. Or maybe it's the classic sound of a photon torpedo firing Or the uncoupling sound that the clamps make during saucer separation. Brandon, that one's for you. (laughs) Any sound from any ship, any time frame. It doesn't have to be even from a Federation ship.
0: I think this is going to be fun. There are some really unique and fun sounds in Star Trek. So I hope they're as varied as the ones before. But I think I might know some that we might get quite a bit of. and might be our most submitted for next week. But you let us know your thoughts. Share them with us via email, website, form submission, or even via Twitter all right brandon i think i've had maybe
1: one too many romula nails so i think it's time for us to head on over to the shipyards and shoot the ship with mark and james uh do you mind helping me up and let's heading on over (laughs)
0: let's do it all right
2: I think it was 2008. Um, the books were already out. I think the first three even. Um, I think it was Track BBS, the, the website, and th- th- there was a post going on about uh, how the eventine could have looked. Mm. I think it was Keith, I'm gonna butcher his name, <laughs> De Candido. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So I think he was the first one to mention the class or the, the, the ship itself, but there was no design yet and there was a topic on the BBS forum about how it could look and I think the editor of the books at that moment posted my uh, spirit class and, and he posted that and I told him I could design your Aventine or Festa and I think I sent him a PM and he agreed. And then I had to go to work and, and <laughs> I had a year. Um, that was 2008. before it was a good idea to put it on the 2010 calendar, I think.
0: Was that where it's made its debut was actually in the Ships of the Lion calendar in 2010? Yeah, I think it was 2010.
2: Mm. The main problem I had was time. I think they skipped it ahead one year. So instead of one year, I had three months from start to finish. Right. And I'm very slow if it comes to modeling and detailing. And back in the day in 2008, my system was not up to specs. So it's uh, difficult to do it. And in three months. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I have to say, though, that the finished product, especially with the Aventine, when you look at that ship, you could see like it's designed to accommodate multiple species, different functions. It puts the readers inside of probably what your brain, what you were thinking to try to get done. Yeah,
2: I did make a list for the uh, the features that it had to contain. And, and it's a quite extensive PDF file uh, that I'm looking at right now. <laughs> It has about five pages of specs, wow. and every exterior detail, so everything on the outside is is, is listed, uh, so that I could uh, implement it mm-hmm. uh, instead of making up the details uh, that I think, oh, this is nice, like Star Wars, it's always gribbling uh, without the function being known, so. Yeah, most of the parts that you see on the outside have an actual function within the star trek universe <laughs> outside not so
0: much but <laughs> and james yeah i know from back in the day you and i talking about vesta anytime that the ship class was mentioned or the aventine was mentioned it was like i've never yes. seen a human have su- yeah exactly <laughs> i i that still haunts me first but i also have never forgot it because anytime the Vesta came up, it was just like giving a child a piece of candy. Like that's how happy and excited you got when you would hear the name Vesta.
3: <laughs> I was, I was uh, very quiet here in the last few minutes with purpose, even though I wanted to scream a bunch of things. But um, it's because I didn't want to interrupt Mark because when you hear the creator talking about it, you want like every word, every insight into that ship and its design and its inspirations and, and the thought process on how why it was built. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of the Sovereign, you know, that John Eve made. And I actually have a really nice model of the Sovereign in my room signed by John (laughs) Eve. And right next to it, I have my Eagle Moss Vesta, which I would love to get signed by Mark. (laughs) But, I mean, those two ships, to me, are two of the most beautiful ships ever made in Star Trek. And it really has something to do with taking all the function and utility, as Mark was saying, everything has a purpose. Everything's there that needs to be there, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have that workhorse look at the same time, right? Like Mm -hmm. a lot of the older ships have a very workhorse look, you know, very standard round saucer neck. It's just kind of like, these are the pieces that need to be there, we've put them together, we've made them kind of pretty, but Mark's design and John's design for both the Sovereign and this, took all of that utility, all that function, and made it sexy. I mean, they made her long, sleek, great lines. Um, You know, even the armor pattern and the colors that Mark chose here are fantastic. You know, it's just everything is so well thought out and useful, but at the same time, sleek and beautiful
0: she is absolutely gorgeous and in our community queue this week we asked fans what their favorite parts of ships was and the silhouette was submitted very mm-hmm. often and the silhouette of the Vesta exactly what you said very sleek and elegant and actually almost reminds me of a great white shark yeah it's
3: <laughs> it's funny that you were gonna say that because what I was gonna say is I've always thought of it as some type of uh, aquatic silhouette maybe you know an orca or a great white or something that's sleek yet dangerous and just mm-hmm. really sharp like that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great point.
1: When you look at the design of the Vesta class and you notice this design that is specifically more streamlined and aerodynamic and it being retrofitted, or I'm sorry, being outfitted with slipstream technology, it took the Federation to the next level with their ships. And I think that how you did that was great and it made a huge impact for future ships that had that technology.
2: Well, I basically, I watched all the Voyager episodes that had something to do with quantum slipstream. Oh, right. I made notes about what they were saying, what went wrong, um, hair fractions, <laughs> that, that kind yeah. of stuff. And then I decided if it's a sort of aerodynamic problem uh, within the slipstream, then we probably have to stretch the ship, um, make it more shark-like, mm-hmm. like something that, that goes really well through water, um, probably a week or... Two weeks after I made the final render, I just hated it. Really? <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. And, 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 and I went even so far that I made a second version that shows up every now and then. But uh, the David Mack, the writer, said, no, you just have to keep the, the original one. It's, it's fine. <laughs> so
3: The Mark II is beautiful, by the way. I've seen it. And I have a few pictures I've captured online, but it's also beautiful.
1: <laughs> and I'm, I'm guessing that the Vesta with having its a multi-dimensional wave function. analysis module very easy to say off the tongue i mean i'm just thinking as a designer when you are creating these components and 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 the layout of how this is going to work with the ship that could probably also take time and probably add a level of depth that you have to be able to have that
2: yeah yeah and you have to determine how big is such a new tech is it super large is it a small feature eventually these modules are not even visible on the outside (laughs) right so um i've got the other ones um forgot how they are called and i never um and i'm apologizing for that but i never make enough vendors of my ships it's the final one for the calendar and then a few more And because they need something for the covers and and that's it and I'm trying to um, fix that (laughs) no that's great
1: yeah it makes sense and you know James I'm going to see if I can put you on the spot so sorry but I think a lot would be really interesting if you could So, you know, maybe like in a short description, talk about the multi-dimensional wave function analysis module and just how awesome it was. Since I know you know everything about the Vesta.
3: So because the ship was so fast and especially in quantum slipstream, the ship's sensors couldn't physically uh, act or look far enough ahead of how fast it was going so they had to create this console that allowed them to do that basically and i forget how it did it uh in the book they explain it in the breakdown of uh you know how it like read quarks or something you know it was doing something deeply mm-hmm. in physics to get that far ahead and be able to see you know an object in front of sensors or whatnot
0: sounds like voyager could have used one of those what Which most definitely you brought up voyager earlier and it's like why didn't they just do 10 or 15 second bursts to like try it out it was just like all let's go all in there wasn't even a chance and then you know look what happened
2: i think they in one of the episodes they had a shuttle in front of it to act as the well i think it was the the quantum the quantum integrator system yeah. Um, it combined with, and, and this is, this is going to be hard for me, uh, the sympathetic fermion transceiver. Yeah. I think these two parts were essential uh, to stay ahead of the tunnel collapse. Right. Um, and I think in Foyager, they solved that by the shuttle that made the wrong calculation and made it crash on the icy planet. <laughs> but, uh, and later corrected that, I think. But so I think that's the reason that Foyager never really. was able to use it and in the burst you are talking about uh, 15 to 20 seconds i think eventually the crystals would run
0: out so it wouldn't be economical if we want to use that term it it wouldn't be using their resources in the right way efficient yes thank you
3: it was a tie-in of a lot of technologies that voyager didn't have yet you had to be able to open the tunnel far enough ahead of you you had to be able to transmit the navigation back fast enough for the larger ship to adjust. And that's what a lot of these modules that they included on the Vesta has.
1: Well, and you know, one thing like I'm seeing that's missing from this is I'm thinking we need like a little Captain Jot, aero shuttle going on maybe on the ship.
2: Yeah, and I think it was there and it was replaced by one of these tech modules because there was no space anymore at the bottom of the ship Mm -hmm. to bring it up. The real reason was that I didn't have enough time (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but um, I couldn't do it
1: now. I'd love to see what that would look like. I think if you were going to redesign that or to add that to the ship, and especially with Slipstream, having an additional ship that could be along with it, I could, I could imagine that really complementing it.
3: Well, Robbie, uh, to, to Mark's horn for him, if you head over to ArtStation Clawhammer, you can see his Atlantic shuttle design which i always envisioned as a shuttle that would go along with the uh, the Vesta. It has a very like quantum slipstream ready look to it. Very cool shuttle.
1: Well, and Mark, there's something you should know. A couple of weeks ago, we asked uh, our community to say what their favorite go to warp catchphrase was. And we got a lot of suggestions, and unfortunately, mine, which was make it slippy, um <laughs> but, um <laughs> Still hasn't really quite caught on, but I have to say, I could just see, if I was captaining the, you know, the Vesta, make it slippy, I mean, right? Is it a thing? Could, can maybe this work?
3: You know, it's funny, they were teasing about that on that last episode of Discovery about trying to find the catchphrase for Saru, right? And uh, yep, yep, yep. yeah, it, it's funny to make fun of that process, right? To kind of tease mm-hmm. about it, that each captain's trying to find this like cool, I always thought mine would be get some, you know what I mean? Like,
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> No one submitted get some, no one submitted that. Now, now I, I absolutely love that. And
1: I can already tell, Brennan, that Get Some will be more popular than Make It Slippy. So thank you, James.
3: Yeah, hashtag Get Some. (laughs) It's trending already.
0: (laughs) Well, Mark and James, we know you both have got some ship schematic designs to get back to. But before you do, as per tradition for each of our episodes, we've got five rapid fire questions for both of you. We'll read Mm -hmm. the question and we'd love to know the first answer that comes to mind. Sounds good?
3: Uh, Fair. Don't hold it against me if it's dirty.
0: (laughs) Well, Mark, I know that it is
1: quite cold over there in the Netherlands, so hopefully our uh, rapid fire will warm (laughs) you up. So you're going to go first. So go ahead and first thing that comes to mind. So what is your favorite ship?
2: I think Voyager. Favorite series? Uh, The next generation.
1: Favorite captain?
2: Janeway or Picard. Mm,
1: Picard now if you could choose any of the career tracks within starfleet command science or engineering which would you be engineering so we're gonna have a little dilemma question here so in the next generation episode i borg captain picard may have spared the borg from extinction by not uploading the virus program into who we now know as hugh and returning him to the collective because of this decision the Borg continued to reign terror of course, this led to potentially trillions of people dying. Do you think Picard made the right call in saving this one?
2: Um, no, but he couldn't know beforehand because if we follow the books, and this is a spoiler perhaps, the Borg were created by humans. Um, but I probably would have sent the virus. Just send it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, James, your turn. Favorite ship. Do we even have to ask this question?
3: you really don't uh we've just talked about it for an hour so yeah it's pretty obvious it's the best
0: favorite series
3: uh i have to agree with mark next gen i think is the best favorite captain uh now this is always a fun answer for me um i actually like captain Riker. i always thought Riker was the best mix of your kirk and picard together
0: well i won't give you spoilers but you should watch lower decks if you haven't already <laughs> will do and what career would you go into command science or engineering
3: I would probably go into command for sure, yeah.
0: And James, do you think Picard made the right decision in Iborg?
3: Yeah, again, I kind of got to agree with Mark. It's a yes and a no situation. Did he make the ethical decision of the moment, of that moment? Yes, he did. He made an ethical decision for the life of Hugh and what he saw and the possibilities that are there. Did he make the correct long-term decision? No, of course not.
0: Well, gents, again, thanks for the chat. We know you've got a quantum slipstream out of here. And while you do, Robbie and I are going to move into this week's All Hands on Deck segment.
1: For this week's drill, community members were given access to three ships. The Riemann Scimitar, the Vulcan Dakir, and the Cardassian Galore. Using only those three ships and using all three ships, they had to decide which they would joyride, which to command, and which
0: they would self-destruct, of course, which is my favorite. <laughs> I really love this all-hands-on deck drill because it's our take on the shag, marrier or kill game. Used to play as teenagers, but of course with a Trek twist. So, the most desired to command was the Scimitar. Don't think that's a big surprise. It's a very interesting ship with a lot of devastating capabilities, shall we say?
1: Yeah, I could I could see that. Um, you know, when you look at the Scimitar, I think if any anybody has a chance they should google uh lionfish uh because mm. the way this very unique spread of the ship and the way it when it goes into an attack posture does remind me of that actual fish which is another thing how star trek always ties into the natural order so i loved it it was a great ship and i definitely could see that being a ship that people would want to command
0: it's definitely got a cool and unique look to it as well least desire to command was the galore and actually it was also the most desired to self-destruct Which Robbie, I'm sure you got thoughts on since DS9 was your favorite series. Okay, so I actually agree with the community on this. I would always grow
1: up watching DS9 and I saw the galore class in ship combat. I always Mm -hmm. thought to myself, did they put like an eighties Volvo, uh, station wagon and just add a photon <laughs> torpedoes. It, it just has like that <laughs> boxy Volvo, you know, it's being driven by somebody named Jennifer. I, I just, it was a great ship for what it could do, but mm. I just, I think that, you know, I don't want to drive it. And it also probably looks like it might smell like a bunch of turtles live there. So <laughs> I, I just, I just, you know, let's, I don't want to drive it. I don't want to command it. Let's blow it up. And a lot of them did get blown up.
0: Yeah. It's uniquely Cardassian, but I'm also in the same boat. It would probably be my most desire to self-destruct if we were choosing between those three ships. Now, mm-hmm. if you put the Galore mixed in with maybe two other ships, I might have a different, but mm-hmm. we had these three ships, so we had to go with it. In terms of most desire to joyride, it was actually pretty evenly split between all three, though... Those that said they wanted to command the scimitar said they were more likely to destroy the Dakir. Now maybe that's because they'd be joyriding in the galore. So if they're destroying the Dakir, maybe that's because they are more interested in those heavy firepower ships and the Dakir is more sciency.
1: You know, what's interesting, though, is we're also kind of talking about different time periods, right? So True. the Dakir was being used, I want to say, at least 100 years before the time frame of when the Scimitar and when the Galore being used. Now, let's just make all things equal, and let's just say that they were all technology along the mm-hmm. same footing. So actually, okay. the Dakir... Was a quite formidable um, spaceship. It actually was classified as a cruiser. And in its era, it was able to take on, um, I believe, a, even an Andorian. Cruiser. That's true. It was much more powerful than the Enterprise at the time. And I think that it was just a really powerful ship. This would be the ship that I would want to take out for a joy ride because it was noted for being one of the fastest, most, like you said, Brandon, like scientifically minded ships. It also had this rotating nacelle that when That's it's in cool. use... Yeah, it's really cool, but then when it's not in use, it goes to this horizontal position where it slides in and it actually has such a cool look to it. You know me,
0: I love a ship gimmick. And to round out this drill, the least mention for self-destruct was actually the scimitar, which makes sense because everyone else said they wanted to either joyride it or command it.
1: You know, Brandon, I have to say, I really enjoyed this all hands on deck drill because it was really nice to see all these different non-Federation ships that allowed us to kind of see ship design from a different perspective. And these are actually Mm -hmm. really powerful ships that had a huge impact in their respective timelines and with their respective cultures. So I really encourage everybody, if you're not too familiar with these three ships, go ahead and Google them, look them up, and um, let us know know, what
0: you think. Absolutely. And if you wanna participate in the weekly drills, we announce them on our Twitter towards the end of each week, so do keep an eye out. Well, this week's episode, by
1: faster than the aventine speed and slipstream brandon i think we're gonna have to try to <laughs> say that three times fast yeah but before we share all of our plugs and head out we want to announce
0: next week's guests that's right it's another double header of trek legends on next week's show who makes ship happen we're going to be welcoming legendary ship designers and digital modelers tobias richter and donny versiga Tobias has been making Trek ship models for decades, and Donnie currently works as a ship artist on Star Trek Online.
1: And what's really great is the two of them are currently working together and collaborate within Star Trek Online. And a lot of the ships that players get to use and get to captain are ships that they've worked on. So we're really excited to bring that to you next
0: week. Yeah, I actually fly many of the ships they've modeled for STO, so I'm definitely looking forward to chatting with both of them. Don't forget, hailing frequencies are always open. Head to shiptalkingpod.com to transmit a message. And while you're there, check out our merch. If you do get something and wear our logo out and about, do take a photo of you wearing it and send it to us. And we want to make sure to share that out with the community. Also, do check out the link at the top of our page to our Patreon to view the special benefits that we're providing to patrons, including expanded chats with all of our guests. Now, I can't guarantee that our
1: merchandise will prevent you from having to go into the decon chamber however (laughs) we still would love to see out wearing it you can also send us an email to hello at shiptalkingpod.com we want all your feedback and comments in addition to entries
0: for every week's community queue Also, we're on Twitter at ShipTalkingPod. If you've got a Twitter account, tweet us. We'd love to talk with you. You can also participate in each week's All Hands on Deck drill.
1: Speaking of Twitter, if you're listening to this episode on its premiere day, Friday, December 11th, make sure to follow and watch our tweets today as we are partnering with Star Trek Online
0: for a 24-hour contest not only will the winner win prizes for Star Trek Online, but they'll also receive some of our merch, then you can take your photo and send it to us, as well as a lifetime subscription to the Enterprise C tier on our Patreon, which includes all of the expanded chats with each of our guests, all of those we've already spoken with and all of those we will speak with.
1: And the winner will be announced during next week's pod episode which releases on Friday, December
0: 18th. And don't worry if you miss this one, we'll be running other giveaways soon, so stay tuned. Best of luck to all who enter. And we are so excited
1: for sharky the trekkie to have his official ship talking pod debut on twitter so look forward to that too absolutely as a reminder the best way to support us is to tell your trekkie and trekker friends about the show they can find us on any and all of the podcast platforms or just send them to our website and they can get the direct
0: links from there. And last but not least, a very special thank you to our audio engineer, George Davies, who does all of the audio magic behind the scenes. We couldn't get our episodes out without him. Yeah, George
1: literally keeps this tugboat from sinking to the bottom of the proverbial ocean. So, George, thank you so much. So, everybody, until next time. Execute. Uh, Brandon, what do we talk about this? No, you, you <laughs> have to stop. No more let's do it there we go all right everybody have a great week bye